spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Welcome to a new spin on autism. Answers with host and international speaker and performer, Lynette Louise. Besides working on her doctorate in psychophysiology, Lynette has raised eight children, six adopted, and four of them falling somewhere on the autism spectrum. Laugh with her, cry with her, as she talks to both experts and parents and takes you through the often confusing, sometimes frustrating, sometimes overwhelming, but always fascinating world of autism. Hello and welcome. This is a new spin on Autism Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as the Brain Broad. And today is a rainy day in Texas. Yes, I'm in Texas, not California today. Um, I happen to be traveling across country trying to save a son from a rather problematic relationship as well. Yes, I have a real life too. And uh, <laughs> while I'm doing that, I'm also making a lot of discoveries about uh, my grown children and their various ways of having family and living amongst the world um, in a new and special way that I think I'm going to talk to you about later in Stories from the Road. As long as we're not flooded out in the middle of the show and don't have to go running into the high ground. Um, in the meantime, I just want to remind you to also stay to the end of this show for, okay, okay, it's the great guest giveaway. And as I've been doing as of late, I'm going to be the one giving something away. Father's Day is around the corner. And with Father's Day around the corner, I thought, what can I give away that would be really wonderful? And one of the things we're giving away is this show. It's going to really help Dad. So if you're... Husband's not around, pause the show and run and get him. Um, additionally, I want to offer up a half hour of just dad talk with somebody and say, you know, from my perspective as the woman, these are the kinds of things that will make your life easier with your wife as you raise your special child together. So you go ahead and take advantage of that, but um, we'll get to that later. All right, so our guest today is a friend of mine, a long-time guest, a long-time friend. He's really fantastic as a human being, but also at what he does. And I ask my guests always to give me like a two-sentence description of themselves so that we're bringing forward exactly what it is they want the world focused on when they come to them. And what I loved about what he wrote is that it sounds like something I might write for myself. Uh, And that made me go, oh, no wonder I like him so much and I like his work so much. Additionally, he's a guy. So to watch a guy do what he does is kind of special. So, Dad, you've got to listen up to this because Aaron's a developmental play specialist. He's focused on helping families with children on the autism spectrum. When he says he's a developmental play specialist, understand he plays so hard the sweat rolls off him. And he teaches from that standpoint. It's gregarious. It's gorgeous. It's guy-like. And it really, really connects with the kids. It's really a beautiful thing to watch. He's dedicated to helping families live happier, more connected lives. And the reason I asked him to be on the show, in addition to all of that, is I thought, how exciting to talk to someone like Aaron, who is now brand-new daddy, a very proud brand-new daddy, not brand-new like in newborn, <laughs> enough time at it that he's met with some of the challenges and he's able to bring to us some of the 
sort of the gifts that his training has sort of presented him with as he raises his son, but also maybe the surprises. So I thought it would be a great way to celebrate Father's Day and bring his voice to this subject. So welcome to the show, Aaron Deland. Ah, thank you for having me, Lynette. It's nice to chat with you. It's been a while. Oh, it's good. it's going to be great. I'm so excited. So let's yeah. start with... Here you are. You you have all this training. Now, if I remember correctly, just go ahead and correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. You were trained initially in ABA, then you switched over to play therapy. That's correct, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you have a pretty broad spectrum of experience here on you know, and have been able to choose what you think works, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Okay. So you've got this really playful style, but it's got mm-hmm. a sort of willingness to do lots and lots of repetition in it, which is what I think yes. is one of the beauties of watching you work. So you have a baby. Mm-hmm. Tell me the most surprising thing about that. Wow. Um, the most surprising thing. Um, I think it started from the first instant I actually saw my little boy, which was I knew that obviously I would love my child. I knew that it would have some sort of noticeable impact right away, but I, I was not prepared for how, you know, you know, how deep the, that feeling ran and how instantly it happened. And um, I remember being in the delivery room and I even get choked up even talking about it now, seeing him come out and trying to say something to Kim about how beautiful he is and, you know, tears literally launching out of my face. <laughs> yeah. I swear they, they you project they out. Just raining all over the room. <laughs> right. And so that was something that, you know, before being a dad, I thought, you know, well, yeah, I, I understand that people have this deep love for their children. And I always respected that. And, I, you know, it's something I wanted. Um, but I guess it, it surprised me at how much I really didn't understand uh, the depth of that until it happened. Um, and so that, you know, and that just continues every day where, you know, at three in the morning when he's decided to wake up and I haven't slept in a few days, you know, and I go in there, um, you know, the old me might have been pretty grumpy guy, but this, it, it just, it, something about it that tempers, um, you know, what I'm dealing with in that moment with him. And it's just, um, that I would say that hands down is the biggest, the biggest surprise. And it's huge. Okay, so it's huge, huge. now now that you know that on a day-to-day, moment-to-moment, love grows by every millisecond, bigger, 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 <laughs> deeper, 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 right? Yeah, And just absolutely. watching them blink looks adorable. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now that you know that firsthand, mm-hmm. what does that do to change how you are as a therapist and sort of a mm-hmm. Fuller question. When I was um, training, I was already a parent. And one of yep. the things that I noted was there's a naivete in the people that yep. aren't already parents. And Absolutely. also an unwillingness for the parent to listen to the one who isn't a parent. So all of that. Like, let's talk about that a little. Yes. How has your experience of work changed? Mm-hmm. Great. Um, yeah, and I was aware of that before being a parent. What I always... Uh, would say, and I, you know, I believe this was that even though I, I wasn't bringing the perspective of a parent 
to my teaching, obviously, before being a dad, I did have a different experience that I felt was useful, which was, you know, I have this vast experience with a lot of different types of kids. And I, you know, from that point of, you know, not being as emotionally invested as, say, a parent is with their child when I'm working with them, you know, there's, there's an upside to that, which, which yep. I felt, you know, you could sort of, you could step back a little bit and you could make decisions without being influenced by um, the, the emotions so much. And, the, and so I thought that way. So there was definitely something, you know, like you said, a naivete, absolutely. I look back on, on some things. And I'm just like, you know, you, you could have been more understanding there. And now I really get that. Um, so I think that had an impact in when I'm working directly with parents, just sort of the depth of understanding when they talk about something particularly painful or a fear they have for their child in the future. You know, um, I feel like before I could help them talk about it, but it wasn't something I kind of understood on a, a, maybe a cellular level um, that I do now. And so I think there was something missing with the empathy that really I feel is required to do this um, even more effectively. And so I think yeah. the, yeah. Yeah, it's I, interesting because I think, I think you're right. There is also an upside. It, it is possible to, because you're not empathizing too much, yeah. to maybe see things and and ask things of people, ask them to step up to the plate in the way that maybe if you were empathizing too much you couldn't do. So has right. there been a downside? Uh, been a downside to, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, no, actually, I think because what what I, I've been able to do I think is hold on to enough of that, um, you know, distance when I'm there. Because still, you know, you go in and you love these little guys that you're work, guys and girls that you're working with. You love the families, absolutely. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's it's still their child and their, um, you know, their love of their child. And while I can understand on a one degree for because of the love of, of my little guy, you know, there's still that there's still a bit of distance. So you can still say, you, you can still ask them to step up in some places. Um, I will say this, that um, I have noticed that when I am teaching, there's, um, there is more of a, oh yeah, you know, I, I can understand why you, would, why you would do that thing that maybe isn't the most effective for your child right now because of the emotional. It's like I can, I can see it a little right. bit more, whereas before I think there was a little bit of, naivety, maybe even a little bit of arrogance, really, which was about, well, you know, why can't you just lay down that boundary and be consistent about, you know, and now right. you sort of step back, you know, and, you know, what's the matter with you? But uh, now you step back and you see, okay, I, I, I completely get that. You know, I completely understand where that decision is coming from, but then I can still sort of push forward and say, okay, I know it's not easy. I, I, I can relate, but at the same time, we can, you know, it doesn't mean we can't change that. Okay, and how has your training, so here you are, so it's that mm. question, you know, in the world of um, you know, people become parents and they don't have any training for parenting. They just yeah. sort of have babies and yeah. do whatever they thought was right that their parents did or accidentally do what they thought was wrong or copy. Like they don't really have a proper, clear template for what would be healthy. So how has all yeah. this training helped you? Um, I- 
Well, there's a couple of different ways. One, there's sort of this, like, um, I don't know if you call it like a technical side of it, but like when I sit and I watch him develop and explore things and, um, you know, I'm looking at him and I'm going, my gosh, look at these, these socially referencing and there's joint intention and wow, those gestures. Like I can, I, I see all those, I think in a very different light. Like when I'm with my friends that also have kids around that same age, those sorts of little things don't, don't impact them in the same way that they impact me. I feel because I've had all this training and exposure to how difficult development can actually be for some kids. So I think, you know, that's one way where my training has sort of set me up to, okay, I see that happening. I'm going to put myself in this position to play with him. I see what he's into. I'm going to turn this into a little bit of, you know, helping him do more of all these things that I know are, are good for his social development. Um, on the emotional side of things, <clears throat> I think that's, that has probably been um, where it's had the, the biggest overall impact, which is, you know, I, it's, it's, it's been hard at times, uh, you know, in terms of um, maybe the dynamic between me and my wife or, you know, um, you know, me sitting, like I alluded to before, so there was a bout where he really wasn't sleeping that well in the middle of the night and there was five, six days in a row where, you know, going on three or four hours sleep and, you know, you know me and I'm usually <laughs> very, um, you know, mellow, loving, you know, all those sorts of things. Um, and I can feel myself getting like, you know, angry in the middle of the night. And, you know, I think if I hadn't had all this training, I might have just given in to that and maybe sort of felt like, yeah, it's justified. They got this guy screaming in my face at three in the morning, four, 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 five days. But having some of the training that I have is understanding that there's also, there's a, there's a choice within that and that by understanding more deeply where say, the emotions I'm having are coming from, that it's easier for me to gain a perspective and really quickly say, you know what? It's just a lack of sleep. Still your boy. He's doing the best he can. He's, He's dealing with whatever he's dealing with, and you have to be this sort of comforting um, place of, of safety for him right now. So set your sleep deprivation aside and, you know, and sort of deal with it. Um, so I feel like that was, that's been tremendous. And maybe even a step deeper, let's tickle that a bit before break here. Mm-hmm. Um, myself... Mm-hmm. And I'm going to assume you have it too, but answer me and, and talk to me on this. Myself, as I trained and as I got more in more and more and more playrooms and more and more and more environments mm. with, you know, various kids, then I saw what works, what doesn't work, where yeah. I started right. to value the power, not just do the right thing in this moment or be there for him, but mm. I'll actually get more sleep if I go mm. this way. And right. I knew it. I knew it, not guessed it or wondered it or hoped it, but yes. knew that I'd be helping him get to where I needed him to be so that I could take care of me um, yes. more as a result of my work. Did you, exp- do you experience any of that? I did. I mean, for me, it was a bit of a harder lesson because my, my personality and sort of how I've operated is, um, and it's funny you bring that up, is that I will put myself on the back burner. And so, you know, it took me a little while to sort of to, to come to that conclusion, which is a lesson I've, I've taught 
a hundred times, a million times. I'm always <laughs> talking about parent well-being, you know. And then I, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I got to take care of myself a little bit better. So, yeah, there was, you know, and, and then we shift things and we, you know, that, that I keep referring to that, that bit of um, the sleep trouble we were having for a little while. And, yeah, we tweaked things. We sort of, you know, I saw, like, okay, this just isn't, you know, this isn't going to be sustainable. It's, you know, um, and something did, did shift where we were able to get me some sleep and things sort of evened out. And, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely agree. Right, right. So in a, no matter what you taught, <laughs> when you become the right. student, you have to teach yourself all over again. <laughs> yeah, and you, yeah, exactly. And you understand those lessons on a much in a much different way, much deeper way. Right, right. What's your website, Aaron? Uh, well, we, we just redid the website. The new website is uh, www.playconnectgrow.org. Um, and I'm really excited about it, actually. It's, it's uh, a full video training library um, on the basics of play therapy, and then it's also got... Um, a bunch of modules on, you know, things like picky eaters and um, gestures and things like that. We're really, really proud of it. Awesome. Thanks for doing that because I was planning it and I didn't really want to, so I'm glad you did. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you are listening to a new spin on Autism Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as the Brain Broad. And as I told you before, today is a rainy day in Texas, and we are talking with Erin Deland, who's a developmental play specialist focused on helping families with children on the autism spectrum. He's, a, he's dedicated to helping families live happier, more connected lives, and he is now a dad. So he knows what it's like on the inside and the outside, and he's really a fantastic resource for you. So I suggest that you check him out. We're going to keep talking to him, though, for a few more minutes. Um, remember to stay to the very end of the show where we'll do... Stories from the road. And I'll give you the great guest giveaway. Okay, okay, okay. Again, I'm the great guest giveaway. And one more thing that I want to mention before I start talking to Aaron, and that is that this whole concept of, you know, this being a new spin on autism answers sometimes gets forgotten. So we need a question that we're going to answer. And basically, I've been asking how his training has affected him as a dad and how it's benefited him. So let's make a clear-cut question coming out of the break here. Um, mm-hmm. So Aaron was yep. actually dated my daughter for a while and was sort yep. of in the stepdad position for a little bit. So he's really been on every angle of this. He's been in the stepdad position. He's been in the real dad position. He's been <laughs> in the ABA position. He's been in the play therapist position. If ever there was someone who knows all the ins and outs dads, it's this guy. So I want to come out of this with a little mm-hmm. story for you, Aaron, and see what, sure. see what your thoughts are. So since you know Brendessa, um, yep. And she's had remarried, and uh, and now you've married someone else. But she had twins, and you know that they yep. had their vaccines, uh-huh. and they had had carefully selected non-preservative, one-at-a-time vaccines. Mm. And on the first vaccine, we saw some weird stuff, but we kind of went, uh, "We're probably mm. overlooking." Right. But on the second one. Uh, the one twin started toe walking and her head was Mm. turned to the side and she was spitting. Mm. And the other twin got a total fear of of ever being away from her father. So Mm. she would go into total panic mode. Mm. And 
fortunately, I had neurofeedback, and we were able to correct it, and there's all the play therapy, and we, we mm-hmm. had the tools to address it, and that was the end of the vaccines. Right. I'm not trying to bring up the controversy of vaccines. I'm just sure. giving you that for background. Yep. Right now, thinking of your son, because I have to tell you, I never empathized this properly. When, right. when I'd be in people's homes and they'd say, look, he was normal, and then this, mm-hmm. I listened and I cared, but I didn't, at, from that moment forward, it was different. Yeah. So when you actually bring your son to mind and think how he's operating right now, whether it's a rug shampoo or a vaccine or a, a, mm-hmm. a car accident or whatever, mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. all of a sudden had to be faced with he's disappearing in front of my eyes, mm-hmm. what would you advise a parent? What would you, how do you feel right now thinking about that? Because it's different. It is. It's very different. Um, that's a great question. Um, I think, you know, the first thing that, that pops in my mind, we were talking a little bit earlier about empathy, um, was, you know, uh, before, based on some of the training we received, you know, there would be a lot of questioning, you know, why do you feel that way and, and, and asking a parent to really examine it, which I believe there's value in. But I think the thing that, that from my perspective has changed is that there's also, uh, I think, a value in giving permission to kind of to feel that, you know, to feel that sort of um, whether it's justified, whether it's, you know, you know, we throw sort of right and wrong out the window. But no matter how you feel about somebody mourning their child, say, moving into autism or, or, or some other or some other event, is that that's their feelings. And I think there has to be a period where you respect that and where you 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 empathize with that and you and you understand it and you sort of embrace it um with the overall picture being that you know what the end goal there is to actually make peace with it so that you can be there in a more effective stronger way for your child um for me as you asked that question i had a like a, a visceral response right in the middle of my chest and that you know just that like like a lot i've heard a lot of parents talk about it as a gut punch and you know I, I I totally see that, and I think my role in that now isn't just well, why do you feel that way, and you know, let's let's change that, because I don't think that really gives enough respect to what's happening, and not just with the child, but with the the, the parent and their emotional well-being. So I think, uh, you know, before, just like you said, it was this I didn't respect it as as much as I could have, and. Now, I think spending a little bit more time there and letting them kind of talk and cry and do whatever they need to do um, and help them, you know, decide, okay, you know what, I've spent enough time here. Now it's time for me to move forward and get up and, and stand up and and do what I need to do. Um, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think that a big question that came along for me since I adopted special kids, I sort of came mm-hmm. in with this quandary. And mm-hmm. I was always asking myself, you know, if I love them as they are, how dare I ask them to be different? And right. if I, you know, and so there's, it was very different to watch this with the twins because 
we were in love with the healthy twins, and now we mm. had the fear of them being as an illness, which isn't right. what you feel once you've accepted the autism or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and you're just right. trying to help them develop. You don't yeah. see it anymore as um, the onset of an illness because now you have to move into to action. But when right. I adopted, it was there was constantly the question of how do I love them accept them as they are and still ask them to be different. And I came to a great answer for that, but I'd love to throw that out there for you. Yeah. um, I, you know, it's funny. I had, you know, I've thought a lot about that exact same thing. And um, where I got to was, you know, I'm neurotypical sort of average guy. And I, you know, me growing up, my mom was constantly, Challenging there me. There he is, right on cue. <laughs> there he is, right on cue. Um, you know, she was constantly challenging me to be, you know, to to be even more than I already was. And, you know, for for her, you know, she's coming from a place of I love you no matter what. She'd tell me that all the time, and she'd also point out the places where she thought, you know, what you could you could be doing this differently. You could be doing this better. You could be doing this this way, you know, um, of sort of questioning things for me. And, you know, I've, I really try to approach what I do with kids on the spectrum as never treating them as if they're broken, never treating them as if I'm here to fix them. You know, but, and, but when you get into that conversation, like, well, well then what are we doing here? <laughs> and, you know, it's hard for people to get their head around that. And I think for me... It's, it's just like any other kid. It's, you're, you're raising them and you're helping them with challenges that they have, no matter what they are. And for these guys, it's just, this is their challenge. And if you can look at it from that perspective, then you're just seeing, um, you're just seeing your child from a different angle versus losing, um, who, who they were. Right. Right. I mean, you just, exactly where I landed in the end, I'm like, wait a minute. My special children deserve as much challenge and encouragement to grow and learn and be taught as everybody else. And so it's just about, you know, going, okay, this is who you are. Let's teach this person. In fact, I like to use the word fix because I have my show and I call it Fix It in Five. And Mm -hmm. it's so funny because I'll go in and the parents are always like, so you're going to fix the autism? And I say, I never said that. What I've always said (laughs) is... We're going to fix the relationships. <laughs> we're yeah. Going to make, yeah, exactly. We're going to get this to be a beautiful place. And right. that's really all you can hope for, I think. Exactly. And, that, you know, it, it really, overall, that's why I talk about helping families be more connected and happier because ultimately that's, that's the goal. Even if people talk about it in terms of, you know, recovery from autism or, you know, whatever, however you want to talk about it, the ultimate goal is actually being happier and actually being contented and connected and knowing your child and feeling like they can express themselves to you and you can have that, um, you can learn about them and you can actually develop their relationships. Right, right, absolutely. So, okay, so this is your last couple of minutes. I'd love for Mm -hmm. you to make sure that, just restate how people get a hold of you, Um, share anything that you want to share, and then just a final word of wisdom for all those dads out there going, how do I do this? (laughs) Well, so the easiest way to get in touch with me um, is at uh, playconnectgrow.org. 
you can you can write us at help at playconnectgrow. Um, you can also um, contact me via another our alternate uh, email, which is connectingwithautism uh, at hotmail dot com. Uh, in terms of something to impart, um, especially for dads, I think is to just slow down. And I'm thinking specifically of, you know, I watch a lot of dads play with their kids at home in their, in their playrooms or bedrooms or wherever. And what I see a lot of the time is, you know, a dad with his foot on the gas where, they are just going 100 miles an hour. The kid's having a good time, but there's just, there's like a speed and an urgency. And when we talk about that, a lot of times what comes up is feeling like I have to race, I have to rush, I have to, to, to keep their attention, I have to, you know, beat this deadline, I have to, you know, there's like pressure there. And while I understand the psychology behind that, the, the problem is, is that they're never giving their kids a chance to step forward and communicate back to them. And so one of the, the biggest things that I tell them is just to slow down, just to like enjoy the process of having fun with their kids and just make sure that you're leaving enough opportunity there for them to kind of step through that door with you and build something that's more reciprocal. Yes, I love that. I love yeah. that. That was really wonderful. Um, mm. Do you want to say anything else about your family, about your gorgeous little son, his, new, <laughs> his newest milestone? Oh, <laughs> yeah, man. Tell us his newest milestone and, and the cutest thing he did. That will leave us with a smile on our faces, and then I'll say goodbye. Okay. Well, I'll tell you this. So this, this story, this happened actually a little while ago, but this was proof that this was my son. Um, <laughs> me and my wife... She also works with kids. We both have a little bit of a potty humor to us. And he was breastfeeding, and I'm just going to embarrass myself a little bit here, and I actually, I I packed gas, (laughs) and he came off the boob and started laughing hysterically, which which meant, you know, and so then, and actually to sort of prove that that's what he was laughing at, we have a little app on our phone that is actually a fart machine, and we started pushing the button on it, and without fail, every time we pushed it, he would crack up laughing. And so it was sort of my, you know, that was the stamp of, yes, absolutely, this is your boy. Um, <laughs> and, and most recent milestone is, we, we were just talking about this actually last night, that he really, over the last few days, has changed a ton to where he's using uh, facial expression more intentionally to show us that he's, you know, he's silly, silly and, or, and happy and sort of uh, angry are the kind of the two Aww. that he's using right now. And both of them are equally cute. <laughs> and, um, but, yeah, I'd say that's the biggest milestone right now. He's sort of using that and combining it with waving at anything that he's showing interest in, which is, is he's kind of got this uh, parade wave where he just uses his wrist, which is kind of amazing. <laughs> And I'm yeah. hearing the dad sound in you and the pride. It's so nice that you've gotten to this place in your life. Lovely yes, that is. you were willing to be on this show and have a Absolutely. wonderful time with your boy for the rest of the day. I really, hey, thank you so much for having me, Lynette. You're incredible, and I love what you're right. doing. Good. All right. All right, you too. Back at you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
Okay, well, that was Aaron DeLand, and how exciting to have had him on the show. Uh, it's great for Father's Day, it's great for any day, it's great for all fathers, and it's great for mothers, and it's just nice to hear a dad talk about his child and his life playing with children with so much pride and conviction. So we were blessed today. Um, all right, so, okay, 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 it is time for the great guest giveaway, and I am loving being the great guest giveaway all the time. Um, every once in a while I throw something else in the mix, but I do do think it's a great service to offer at the half an hour of just chatting with some dad out there who might be wanting to know anything, of course. You can ask any question. I'll help you with anything. But, you know, what I was thinking about is just to get you started thinking is maybe what's it like and how do I best help my wife if you're going to work and she's doing the at home or if you're at home and she's going to work um, and you're trying to homeschool, how do I do this and feel proud of it? Or, like, there's many ways of, of playing this out and using that half hour. I'd love to be of service to you. So if you want that, the first person to send me an email saying, Father's Day help in the subject line at mom, number four, evermore, at Juno, not Gmail, Juno, J-U-N-O, dot com, we'll get that free half hour of support and attention. All right, so now it is time for the, oh, I was going to say, okay, okay. So now it is time for stories from my past <laughs> or the road. I usually say the road. And I guess I'm on the road, and, a, and some of what Aaron was talking about brought my son Rye to mind. So I am going to actually talk about my son Rye, and it makes sense because I'm on the road, and I just saw him. And Aaron brought up the whole concept of, you know, fixing the family and the relationships, and we talked about that a little bit. And and he said something about, you know, it's not about on or off the spectrum or all that. And I agree, it's about just graduating to the next level, the next level, the next level, no matter what's going on, whether you're Down syndrome or whether you're neurotypical or autistic. In fact, I said this morning to my daughter, um, one of the things I like about working with Down syndrome is nobody expects them to not be Down syndrome after I help them. They just enjoy the benefits and the improvements and that increase in relatedness and happiness and IQ jump. So it would be nice if we didn't look at autism like the thing to sort of blast away or be angry about. Instead, we just looked at our child and thought, how do I help with the next thing and the next? Um, difference, the difference we've already brought up in the show, yes, your child is born down syndrome, and onset of autism often feels like somebody's being stolen from you. So it is a different challenge, absolutely, and I get that, and, and wanting always to get back what you used to have is sort of a driver in mankind anyway. We're always looking at our past, wanting something we used to have, but you actually can't go home. <laughs> you can't have that. You never step in the same spot in the river twice. I mean, it just all that stuff is true. So it's more important to just start where you are and move forward. That being said, <coughs> he, his, his statement about on or off the spectrum makes me think of Rye because Rye was so typically, he was classically autistic. He went through all the phases exactly, the, you know, first he's mute, then he's echolalic, all these things. Eventually he gets the Tourette's onset at teenage years. I mean, he just went through all the typically classically autistic phases. 
and eventually got to what I call the weird zone because he no longer fits in autism. He's not in a group home. He's lived on his own. He's in his 30s. He's had all kinds of jobs and challenges and cars, and, you know, he's solved his problems as they've gone. But he's also lived um, a harder life, I think, in so many ways than would have been true had we not sort of got him to the bottom of neurotypical. He would have been at the top of special. So I've been challenged often watching him and thought, did I do him any favors? And this is the kind of thinking that drives you crazy as you parent. You know, the professional comes in and they give you advice, but it's you that has to look at the long-term life lesson of your child and say, What's the favor here? What's the better life? What's the happy road? And maybe that's your real question. And all of us have our own answers, and we can't, I can't give it to you. Maybe the real question just is, what's the happy road? I believe that being challenged to learn is a happier road than just sitting in your problem. But being over-challenged, is not a happy road. And having watched Rye, who, again, building off of what um, what Aaron was talking about, I'm going to tell you a story. When he was little, I was I had all three of the boys, um, sorry, four of the boys at that time I had four. Um, so I had all four of the boys sleeping in different corners of this very big room, and Rye was in a crib, and I could hear him laughing and then quiet, and then laughing and then quiet. So I didn't want him to see me because I didn't want him to start wanting to get out of the crib because he never slept anyway. At least he wasn't trying to get out of the crib. So I'm belly crawling, literally belly crawling into the room, trying not to have anybody notice me or wake up, and trying to figure out what he's laughing about. And what was happening was... Though he couldn't talk, though he couldn't walk, he was two, but he couldn't do any of that, he he was laying in his crib waiting for a fart to come out. So he would pass gas, and that would make him laugh. Then he'd get quiet, and he would pass gas, and that would make him laugh. So here he was with this natural amusement for body function, and I remember at the time thinking, yep, the mystery has been cleared up. I have argued with my mother for years. If you just talk nice about these things and act like they're normal, the kids will not make a joke out of them. And there was my little autistic adopted son proving me wrong. Farts are funny, no matter what. So there you go. That was my story from the road or from the past. Um, The question of are you doing them a service and where does happiness lie and should we push and challenge and pour ourselves into our children's development, I think, again, we, we sort of talked about it already. As long as helping your child is helping you too, it's probably a good idea. But when you disappear and become frustrated and lost in the process of trying to make your child into something they're not, you've lost your way. Ask yourself, where's the happy road? And go there. And then you can go ahead and start all over. All right, so have a wonderful Father's Day. Find your happy road. Enjoy your child. Play, 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 because at the end of the day, that's the stuff you remember, the times you really connected. Whether you connected in anger or you connected in joy, let's have more joy memories. 
I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, and you've been listening to a new spin on Autism Answers. Today's question, I believe, is, you know, is it, do you take your lessons, do you take your learning, do you take your life with you when you raise your child? The answer is yes, so make sure you educate yourself on how to be a great parent, even if you're doing it on the fly as they grow. All right? Um, thanks for being here, because without you, I'd just be talking to myself. Thank you for joining the show today. Lynette is the author of the refreshingly honest and at times hilarious new book, Miracles Are Made, A Real-Life Guide to Autism. You can purchase this and other materials by looking on the webtalkradio.net website and clicking on the covers. You can also click through to her Facebook page and check out any show you may have missed by looking in the archives. We'll see you soon for another edition of a new spin on autism. Answers. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. I can't hear.